in Mark chapter number 1 tonight. Mark chapter number 1. I'm just going to read you two verses and then I'll give you some introduction and then we'll get into three passages where James proves himself as self-centered. Mark chapter number 1. Look with me in verse number 19. Mark chapter number 1, verse number 19. If you're there, say amen. Amen. The Bible said when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Again, we're going to deal with James tonight. The self-centered Christian. Let's bow and pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this good opportunity that you've given to us one more time, Lord, to preach the Word of God. Lord, here I stand now. Lord, I cannot do what I'm about to do on my own. Uh, Lord, I cannot preach in myself. Lord, I can't make sense. I can't reach into the hearts of people. Lord, I can't change anyone or anything. But God, I'm asking you tonight... If you would, Lord, please come by Stillwater Baptist Church and God, that you'd look down on me, a weak, a frail, sinful, fleshly man. But God, that you'd give grace as you have time after time. And Lord, you'd give unction. And Lord, you'd give the touch and the feeling of the Spirit of God. Lord, I need you to help me tonight. Lord, I'm heavy hearted in my soul tonight on this subject. I, Lord, I worry in my flesh about things like this. But God, this is what you put on me. And so, Lord, I cannot help but uh, say what you'd have me say. Do a work here tonight. And for what you do in our service, we'll thank you now. Use us, please, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. And Amen. You may be seated. James, the self-centered Christian. I want to say it is here in our text upon coming into the town of Galilee where Jesus began his ministry and he began preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. You understand and know that as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw there... The word of God lets us know two brothers by the name of Andrew and one by the name of Peter. Andrew and Peter were sitting there on the seashore and they were casting their net into the sea when out of nowhere the Lord Jesus come by and commanded that they drop their nets and begin to follow him. It was shortly thereafter Peter and Andrew cast their nets to the ground and followed the Lord Jesus that we find Jesus again uh, walking down the seashore runs into none other uh, than James and his brother John. Uh, James and John were there on the seashore and the Bible said uh, that James and John were mending their nets. They were not fishing. They were uh, repairing their nets uh, when Jesus came by. Uh, I read after one man this week that tells this. It said uh, it tells us that James and John uh, were drawn from a higher social class uh, than the rest of the apostles based upon uh, where they were, their location, the things they had. And uh, when you begin to study their lives, you'll see that both James and John, if you will, were uh, probably higher on the totem pole of society than any of the rest of the, of the apostles.
apostles in our in our Bibles. What we'll find here tonight is James, after God not only rescues him and takes him from being a fisher a fisher to a follower, we find that how many of y'all know just because a man begins to follow God does not mean everything changes overnight. How many of y'all gonna bear witness with me right here? Many of us have been saved for years on end, but the old children's song said it best. He is still working on me. Amen. In fact, the matter is, none of us have got it figured out. I believe that I'm looking at a group of people. I think you strive to live right. I I think you strive to be separated and sanctified. I, I think you try to be pleasing to the Lord, but even in our best attempts, how many all know, uh, even in our best attempts, we still remain failures. Uh, uh, the Bible lets us know that our righteousness is as, as filthy rags. Uh, uh, the Bible lets us know that there's none of us that doeth good. Uh, uh, no, not one. I mean, we're all in a fleshly, sinful, carnal body, and we all have mistakes. Uh, as I say all that tonight, I want to point out uh, just one. I know James has had uh, uh, James had many, but uh, if I could point out one tonight, I want to focus on this. James uh, as the self-centered Christian. Uh, can I say upon accepting the call uh, to follow the Lord, uh, uh, James was given a place of prominence. Uh, uh, did you realize that James was in uh, what many scholars refer to as uh, uh, the inner circle? Uh, do you remember when Jesus went up on the Mount uh, of Transfiguration, who he took with him? He didn't take all 12, he took Peter, he took James and his brother John. Uh, I can show you many instances where James appears uh, uh, to be in what some are saying in the inner circle, the prominence uh, and the uh, the place that some disciples never went to. Uh, can I say this this morning or this evening? Uh, as James is in what they're saying, the inner circle, uh, may I say I'm not sure James uh, uh, took advantage of being in such a precious uh, place in the life and ministry of God. Uh, James, as we know, he's close with God as all the apostles were. Uh, uh, but Peter, James, and John. Uh, it seemed like they were a little closer. It seemed like when Jesus went away privately and he did take some apostles with him in his own three. Seems like when Jesus got along by himself and he did want the company of some apostles, it was uh, James and his brother John and Peter. Seems to me like if you looked into the life uh, of James, if anybody had an advantage to have their flesh in submission and their flesh uh, under control it would have been none other than uh, the apostle James but may I say uh, in fact it was not James uh, in fact it was not Peter I mean look at James's life uh, and look at Peter's life uh, I, I dare say besides Judas Iscariot uh, them two caused probably more trouble than any of the other apostles uh, they were supposed to be in the inner circle they were supposedly spending more precious and uh, isolated 
limited time, but I have learned studying these apostles that it seems like the ones who uh, appear to be closest are really the ones who are possibly the furthest away tonight. Uh, I want to remind y'all uh, of this. I'm not trying to beat you up or belittle us, uh, but I am trying to be right, uh, and I am trying to tell you what the Word of God says uh, just because you and I attend church, uh, just because we give faithfully, just because we raise our children in Sunday school and under old time Holy Ghost Bible preaching just because we still sing the right songs, uh, just because we still got the lights on, just because we still believe in standards, uh, just because we still believe in separation, just because all of those things uh, ought to make us close to God. Uh, I'm here to declare tonight, uh, in fact, none of them will bring you close to God. Uh, it is nothing else uh, than moral deeds. A standard means nothing to Christ uh, if you're not doing it uh, because you love Christ. Uh, a moral means nothing to Christ uh, if you're not being moral for the cause of Christ. Uh, I'm afraid James uh, was in the place to prosper, but just because James was there, it does not mean Jesus was his priority. I believe I'll show you tonight three places where James reveals that James was his own priority. How many, how many times do you know and can you look back in your life you were doing everything just right but it was you that got you in trouble. Matter of fact, let me just go ahead and put it like this tonight. 99.9% .9 of the time when the saint of God falls whether they be young or old when the saint of God retreats when the saint of God backside look up in here listen to me you all need to quit pointing the finger it ain't everybody else's fault ain't nobody put a gun to your head we get tied up in sin. We get tied up in wrongdoings. We get tied up in things we have no business in association with because life becomes about us more than it does the Lord Jesus. There's no two ways about it. It's either black or white. It's straight or crooked. It's righteous or unrighteous. It's holy or unholy. I'm here to tell you tonight when you do what you want over what the Word of God says, you're saying no to God and yes to self. When you deliberately disobey the word of God, you're saying no to God and yes to self. When you deliberately forsake the good things that God has told you to do, you are deliberately saying no to God and yes to yourself. I've never had a moment in my life where I look back and the stair steps of sin were not behind me because I chose to walk down them. Nobody's ever picked me up and cast me in a gutter. Nobody's ever drugged me with the ball and chain down into the wages of sin. Matter of fact, nobody even has the strength to be able to do so. The Bible lets you know this. Everybody misquotes it. But the Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 that there's no temptation such as common to man. Everybody wants to preach that like God said. He'll not put more on you can bear. That's not what it says. God will put more on you than you can bear. But what God promised us in the Word of God is no matter how deep a depression or depravity of sin you may travel, there is not one, listen to me, I need y'all to hear me, there's not one temptation, not one temptation that God does not give us the power to say no to, to turn from, and to walk away. 
don't know about y'all. I mean, y'all look upset about that. I'm pretty happy to know uh, that the devil don't have a crack enough. Uh, the devil don't have a snare. Uh, deceptive enough. Uh, the devil don't have a trick slide enough. Uh, and the Bible said, uh, I can overcome all temptation through the power of God. I'm trying to tell you we're selfish people. We're, 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 we're selfish people. I, I'm not dealing with the whole, I'm not dealing with the, uh, the new born again man tonight. I'm not, I'm dealing with that outward man uh, that you're still living in, neighbor. Uh, that's, uh, listen to me, the Holy Ghost is the only thing keeping you uh, from going off the deep end. Uh, the Holy Ghost, that new man that God birthed in you uh, is the only thing keeping you from straddling uh, uh, the fence and jumping off the wrong side. Uh, how many of y'all can set, testify tonight? Uh, there's been a whole lot of times uh, that we were Peter tottering on the fence and it had not been for the good grace of the Lord Jesus we were headed down a wrong road we was going to go down 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 just like Jonah did just like Samson did just like all those men of God did just like David did and we had no way out but thanks be to God as soon as the devil began to cheer and as soon as the devil began to celebrate I know that's all but I know in my life as an 18 year old boy he was chanting songs of victory. His, day, his demons and the devils of hell were marching and praying around in my life. We've got another one. We've started just as soon as it looked like the sun would set on my life. No hope could be found. No light would ever shine again. No guidance would ever be given. No righteousness would ever be sought. No mercy would ever be granted. That's when Jesus walked in. I'm glad to say tonight I bless the Lord, hold my soul and all that's within me. I bless His holy name that even in a place where I was selfish, the Savior still sought after me. He still sought after me. That's a blessing tonight. James is selfish. If you were to ask me this two weeks ago, I probably couldn't have gave you an answer. Is he or is he not? Because I hate to admit it, but I've really never just dived into his life. But that's why God put this on my heart. We're looking at the lives of the apostle. We're making a life application, a practical application to our lives. I'm just trying to tell you, these 12 men have seen things that no man will ever, ever see again. These men were in the presence of God like me and you. I have no idea about These men walked with Him and they talked with Him. They seen Him when He would make blind eyes see. They witnessed Him praying in the midnight hour. They watched Him watch at the sinner's feet. They watched Him rescue at the perishing and bind the broken. I mean, they knew who God was, but they were still full of problems. I'm just here to declare tonight these men who walked and talked with Him on a daily basis can have issues. You better mark her down, Jack. You and I are full of problems. One of our biggest problems is self. I've heard this my whole life. You have too. I'm not probably going to give you anything new tonight, but you've heard this. That your worst enemy is the person that you look in and look at in the mirror every single morning. That's exactly true. Uh, can I say to you tonight, uh, I can do as good as I want to for God. It takes desire. Or I can be as horrible and as backslidden on God as I want to. Uh, I still have control of that desire. Uh, God has never forced Himself uh, on anybody. Is anybody listening to me? Uh, God's never 
force himself to, for anybody uh, to live for him. I'm just here to say something tonight. Uh, if you're not living for God, you need to hear me and hear me well. If you're not right with God, you're not clean with God, uh, it's because, I'm just going to tell you, it's because you don't want to be. Uh, you can say you love him all you want. Uh, you can say you praise him all you want. Uh, you can say you adore him all you want. Uh, but your life speaks louder than your words. Uh, and if you're not close to God, Quit blaming the situation. Quit blaming the circumstance. Quit blaming somebody else. Quit blaming the problem. Quit blaming the feeling. Quit blaming the emotion. Quit blaming everybody else. But for you retreating and laying down on God. You don't want to walk with him. And that's why you're not. That's exactly right. Everybody. It's the only reason we don't walk with him is because we don't want to walk with him. I'd rather pick this situation over him. I'd rather pick this scenario over him. I'd rather pick this friend over him. I'd rather pick this boyfriend over him. I'd rather pick this girlfriend over him. I'd rather pick, God forbid, this co-worker that I have no business talking to over him. I'd rather pick this sign over him. I'd rather pick this app over him. I'd rather pick this show over him. I'd rather pick this song over him. I'd rather pick this frame of mind over him. That's exactly what we do each and every day. We are met with every decision is a crossroads. And you've got to make the choice. Or you pick self, self-desire, self-pleasure, self-satisfaction. Or will you say no to self, bear up the cross, and follow after Jesus. Somebody needs to follow after Jesus. I've heard every excuse under the sun. I've got news for you. There's no situation. There's no problem. There's no stronghold. There's no temptation. There's no loss. There's no gain. There's no sun, moon, star, sky. There's no snow too heavy. There's no rain too wet. There's no sun rain too hot. There's no cloud too dark. There's no fog too thick. You can persevere through it all and follow Christ, but you better hear me. The only way you'll ever do it is if you want to tonight. That's it. You gotta want to. It's that simple. I mean, honest to God, people don't believe you when you tell them it's that simple. But it is that. You know why I'm here today? Because I got tired of being me. At 18, I got tired of my life. It was going straight down the tubes. I mean, I didn't have nothing to show. I had no success. I could have went to college. Should have went to college. I thought at the time there I'd already been accepted. I never had the grants. I never had whatever scholarships given in offer. I mean, I had it all laid out. I was going to school for heat and air. I was going with air. That's what we were going. We were going together for heat and air. He went through with it. I didn't. You say why? Because I had a roadblock come up in my life. And because listen, I, I, I don't usually talk about stuff like this, but I just don't know what the brethren think. And God put me here to pastor y'all. I'll tell you why I didn't go through my hopes and dreams. Because it's a 17 year old boy sitting in the back of the room. I got a text message to found out that I was going to be a dad at 17 years of age. It scared me to death. I felt no choice but to try to get out of school as soon as I could and get a good job as soon as I could. Make my life as best as I could. I did what I 
James is selfish. James is very selfish. James is so selfish. I'm getting ahead of myself. James gets mad at other people for doing things for God because they've seen the benefits and success from it. He didn't. That's how selfish James is. I'm not talking about James just selfish because his neighbor just bought a new boat or hey, his preacher just got a new house or hey, his mother-in-law got a raise. I mean, I'm not talking about selfish like that. I'm talking about God using people to do things and it picked James off because God didn't pick him. I'm going to pull something out of the, the head right here. I didn't come up with it, but I've been I've listened to it twice. Uh, let, me, let me tell you what some of y'all are going to think it is. In five stones, uh, the Bible lets you go know, in the life of David. Uh, Jesse sent him down there on store short. Uh, uh, the Bible said David was that little shepherd. And David took me, wore that shepherd's bag. Uh, and he went down there to the brook. Uh, and the Bible said he picked him five smooth stones. Uh, and he put those stones in his bag. Uh, the old preacher was preaching. I've heard it twice now. And he said, let me ask y'all a question. He said, when David reached in that bag, how many stones did he get? Uh, he picked five, but he only got one. And he said, man, he, he got that one, he swung that thing, and that stone killed the giant. Now he said, there's a couple ways you can look at this. Uh, there was no use uh, in the other stones. He said, but I declare, and I cried different. He said, here's what I know. Uh, the other stones didn't take down a giant, but the other stones still got picked. The other stones were still in the ship. Bag. And he said this, and every time uh, that shepherd would reach in the bag uh, and grab a stone, he said, I could see him fumbling around. And before he picked one, they all got a touch. I'm trying to tell you that God may not use you today, uh, but he's using somebody around you. And you're in the shepherd's bag. And while God's using so and so to kill a giant, uh, you're still getting touched by the shepherd. Uh, you're still a part. Uh, you've still been picked. Uh, I'd go to a meeting I'd sit there and I thought well I was afraid on one hand to get asked to preach because what everybody thought about it then on the other hand I was hoping to God I did because I felt like what use am I if I don't get picked I used to to fight those those things you know what I've learned though I'm just glad to be in the shepherd's bag I mean try to get honest to God say that I'm just glad he picked me. I'm glad he put me in the bag. Hey, when he reached down to get that wand, he reached his hand right over me. Glory to God. I'm trying to tell you tonight, we've got to take the spotlight off us and put it back on the good shepherd and get our eyes back on heaven and not live as self-centered Christians. I'm going to give you three things tonight. Self-centered. Number one, I want you to see his ego. You got an ego. In other words, redneck term, you got pride. Ego. One's going to understand and fight against being self centered. There's one area that must be investigated. There must be an honest evaluation of your pride or your ego. Webster defines the term ego as this as the self. Uh, the individual as of as aware of himself. May I say it does not take long to realize that James had a rather 
large ego. It does not take long reading that you can find James is a self-centered apostle. It does not take long uh, where you would find you might describe James as having a large or inflated ego. And I'm saying that the word uh, the word for ego in the Bible is pride. James dealt with pride. Some people think pride is only when somebody struts around with their chest stuck out and they think they're better than everybody else. That's one form of pride, but there are many others. Uh, how can I say tonight when help's offered and you absolutely refuse it? How because your plan's better, you're prideful. How can I say when God tells you to stand up uh, and raise your arms, but you don't want to because... Uh, you're afraid of what somebody will think. You're prideful. How can I say when mom and daddy tell you what's right uh, and you absolutely refuse to listen? It's not always just rebellion. It's pride. You don't want to heed or submit to someone else. You're prideful. And that's what we all uh, have in us is a measure of pride. Uh, but can I say there is a remedy uh, for your pride and my pride. Uh, there's a remedy for our ego. Uh, just as James had the problem, we also see James overcomes the problem. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know it's hard to admit, but many times, hear me when I say this, many times if you're not careful, you'll get to a place where you feel like God cannot operate without you. You'll get to a place where the church would not be what it is if it were not for you. You'll get to a place where nothing would go through and nothing would be a success if it was not for you. Uh, can I say there wouldn't have been any preaching? Uh, I've thought this. There wouldn't have been any preaching at that meeting had I not been there. I'm just being honest with you. I thought, my God, them boys say it. That's horrible. I, I was only good message. But you know what? Uh, a whole lot of times God's seeing down on the inside. And I may have had the biggest intellect and I'm not smart. I may have had the nicest outline. I may have had the nicest points and alliteration, but God's not interested in all that. God's looking on the heart of man and whether or not he's willing to be used and be a vessel filled for his glory. I'm trying to tell you tonight that the self-centered self-centeredness of James brought forth his pride and his ego. I'll give you a few of these things. I'm going to take you three different passages of Scripture this small, this evening. I want you to look with me in Mark chapter number 9 first. Mark. Is everybody alright tonight? Yes, sir. <laughs> Mark chapter number 9. And uh, I want to look here if I could. I'll look here at verse uh, 35. Jesus said, He sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And He took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when He had taken him in His arms, He said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of the... One of such children in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Notice verse 38. John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not. 
There is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. You can go on up in the text and here's what you'll find. John spoke up, but guess who was there? James was there. When John says they run across the man that was casting out devils, I want you to see this. Uh, in verse 38, John answered him saying, Master, we. He's not just talking about him. He's talking about two others. Peter and James. It was James, John, and Peter. They were traveling through and you'll find that up in the, up in the other, up, upper part of the chapter that these three were trying to do just that. They were trying to cast out devils. Guess what they could not do? They could not get the devils to leave. They could not get the devils to flee. They could not get the devils to obey. They could do nothing with the devil. That's when the Lord stepped in. In the same chapter, I believe it's verse 20, uh, 29, I believe it is. Uh, it is. It said, This kind, Jesus said, uh, come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So, in other words, uh, uh, these men, they just tried uh, to cast devils out and fail. And on the way down the road, guess what they run across? Uh, they run across the man who's just cast out devils. But there's a difference in this man and them. He's not a follower of them, he's not in their clique, he's not in their church. He's not even of the same denomination as they are. And you know what they said? Hey, buddy, if you're not one of us, you better quit. The Bible said they forbade it. In other words, they forbid. They, they absolutely rejected the idea of this man casting out devils. Now, here's my thinking. I think two things went into play. Number one, their ego flared up and thought, my God, we're walking with him. We're talking with Christ. We're eating dinner with him. We're sleeping on the same rocks as he is and we ain't got power to do it and this jack leg comes out of the woods don't even know what belief he has don't know what the Bible is don't know who the prophet Isaiah is I've never seen him in any of the hills I've never seen him when Jesus fed the 5,000 and here he is he's casting out devils what they said you better lay down the sword mister. quit fighting the spiritual warfare quit attacking and casting out devils because you're not of us let me say something tonight Don't you walk around with your head stuck up in the nose, your nose stuck up in the air, your head lifted high, and your chest stuck out, being a prideful, arrogant jerk. And you ain't never gonna make a difference for God. And all you can do is strut around and put around and everybody look at me and damn everybody into hell because they don't believe like you do. That's none of your business, neighbor. If the shed blood of Jesus has been a part of their account, I don't care if they're Pentecostal Methodist said. Christ. Peter says, I'm the bodyguard. 
John said, yeah, I'm the right-hand man. And James said, yeah, I'm probably the best church member he's got. Why in the world can't we do what he's doing? So you know what happens? And it still happens today. Y'all here still? Amen. They see somebody else succeed at something they had failed at and they thought it was because God was picking them over themselves or God was favoring them over themselves, whatever the case may be. Long story short, their ego swelled up. Their pride said, bless God Almighty, if I can't do it, nobody ought to. What a shame that is. What a shame that is. I've seen it. Just in my short time of pastoring, I've seen it over over the course of my life. When God begins to use and bless somebody, God begins to make them and take them to new heights and God puts them on a different level. I've seen it a thousand times. The brethren will turn. They'll forbid it. They'll forbade it. The brethren will stab them in the back. The brethren will run them down. The brethren will mock them. They'll make sport of them. I mean, I've lived there, neighbor. I know how it is to see God, literally God, supernaturally get this church this place and six Seventy-five of the brethren in one month cut me off. My phone quit ringing. Nobody be my friend. Nobody would invite me to their meetings. But you know what I'm saying? And I'm saying it honest to God with a pure heart. I'm not a bit mad. I'm not a bit angry. I'm not bitter towards the men. I'm just glad God got me out of the click and let me realize He can use anybody that's willing to be used. Dear God, He spoke through a jackass. Don't you think He can speak through you and I. He used a donkey. He's used men that are failures. He's used men that are sinners. I'm glad, glory to God, that God's willing to use somebody like me. Ain't you? Amen. Amen. I'm not being ugly. I'm telling you the truth. What God said in His Word. He used literally a donkey to turn around and be the messenger for him. I'm glad, glory to God, I can live my life without being self-centered. It was a good day when I found out it ain't all about me. There's good people out there. We wouldn't sit down and agree on ten things, but God uses them. And listen, brother, that's if I were to get up and can't make them preach this, they'd turn me off and go out and eat lunch. Because half of them don't believe that. Right. Exactly right. That's good preaching. Really. But I'm, I'm not saying I agree with the doctrine. Right. Here, I'm not saying that we're going to block arms and no. fellowship. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not bringing confusion in right. and confusing everybody. But what I am saying is I'm not the only preacher that God's using. And I'm not the only preacher that God's called in our community. I, this is not the only church that sinners can be saved in. I, I, and listen to me. I'm preaching this way because a lot of independent, fundamental, premillennial, dispensational, millennial, red, KJV only churches that have the right doctrine have been never admitted but they think they are the bride and everybody else has been getting in until they come to their church. I'm not raising a bunch of clicked up, a bunch of speaking clicked up Christians that think everybody's wrong but them because that's not so. Not so. Now again, I think our doctrine is 100% right, and if I didn't, you'd probably need a new preacher. Hey, I mean, if I didn't believe what I'm preaching, you'd probably need to go somewhere else. Yeah, hey, I mean, really, I'm not saying, I'm being honest. If, if I wasn't coming home about what I believed on, then what do I, what do, I believe? Right. I believe our doctrine's right, but also know this. It don't make us the elect choice of God Almighty. 
He died for the sin of the world. And there's some people that are really saved that love God and are tied up in the wrong stuff. And I believe this. I believe the same God that lives in me and speaks to me will live and speak to them. I believe that they'll want to they'll want to know the truth. I believe they'll want to conform to the truth. I believe they'll put the word of God over any over over uh, prioritize it over any of their own desires. I, I do, I believe that. Uh, but you better hear me. Not may we never be like James. Uh, that says, hey, I don't know who you are and I don't know why you're working for God, but you're not with us, so stop. He's self-centered. Self-centered. Secondly, we see the service of others. Secondly, we see the sacrifice of self. Look in Mark chapter 10, verse 37. I've only got one more after this. We're just walking through the lives of these apostles. Mark chapter 10, look with me, verse 37. <clears throat> well, go with me to verse number 35. Mark 10, 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, guess who that is? Come unto him saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. Time out. Does that not seem off to anybody? I mean, really. So many times I think we read these verses and we don't even comprehend what's being said. We just, they're asking God, hey, hello, Jesus, can you give us a minute? That's what they're saying. Verse 35, and not just give us a minute, but whatever we ask you, we are kind of pretty much hoping, really expecting and anticipating that you're going to do it. Y'all see that? Verse 35, verse 36 and he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? Verse 37. They said unto him, Grant unto us, my God, that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy glory. Look at verse 38. Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. <laughs> oh, it makes me go back to my childhood days when my daddy would look at me and say, do you think I'm stupid? Right. <laughs> he said, you boys I do not have a clue what you are asking. Look there in verse 38. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? Does anybody remember me preaching on that cup a while back? Let me tell you all something. They could none of them drink of it. Because in that cup that he drank in the Garden of Gethsemane was the suffering, the sorrow, and the sin of every man, every human being that would ever live in the existence of the planet. No, they couldn't drink the cup. He said, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Never! They literally took time to discredit and, and discourage a man to quit serving God because he wasn't one of them. And then the next chapter, they got the goal to sit down with Jesus and say, hey, we need your time for a minute. Look at us. Okay, here I am, boys. What do you need? Uh, well, pretty much we was wondering if you couldn't, uh, basically we're not asking. Basically what we're telling you is we want to seat one to the right and one to the left. This is in your Bible. Some of read it a thousand times and never comprehend it. You're talking about something, this word that describes James to me. So, I mean, not only is there a whole world full of people that Christ loved, He died for the whole world, but there's, there's, there's two or three of them there that leaves other apostles that God has chosen just like He handpicked them 
because Jesus took them up on the mountain of transfiguration. Jesus took them up on uh, all these places. Jesus spent time with Peter, James, and John. Oftentimes when the other disciples weren't around, hear me, hear me well, the blessings that God had used and done for them in their life, they ended up being so selfish, they turned those special moments against Christ and expected more than they ever deserved. Yeah. Ain't that just what B-R-A-T-S brats do? You're so good to them, and because you're so good to them, instead of appreciating, they just always expect more. These are Baptist brats. I'm going to preach a message on that somehow. How to know if you're a Baptist brat. Amen. That's right. They just done the unthinkable. I can't, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm still, I've thought about this all week. It mesmerizes me. That'd be like me discouraging Brother Dax from preaching the Word of God in, in a church. Let's just say they asked him to go preach and the Baptist wasn't on the side and he went and preached the truth and God used it and me getting mad at him over it. And that happens all the time, folks, by the way. Say, Dax, I forbid, I forbid, I forbid you. You're apparently not one of us or you wouldn't be doing that. Well, tell you what them suckers are. They're selfish. Yeah. It's all about them and their church and their crown and their woman and their reputation and their popularity. God help us if this thing's a lot bigger than me and you. There's a great cause out there and that's for this world to know Jesus as their personal Savior. That's a great cause, man. I'm talking about selfish jokers, man. We see the service. They were selfish in the service of others. They were selfish in the sacrifice of themselves. But thirdly, let me give you one more. Y'all okay still yet? Got one more. I'll be quick. Look with me in Luke chapter number 9. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. (laughs) I know this is just... Practical stuff. My God, somebody needs to talk about it. Luke chapter number 9. Look with me in verse number... uh, mm. Look with me in verse number 48 or 47. Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart took a child and sent him by him. Now again, he's dealing with these disciples being arrogant. He brings in a little, little humble child to teach him a lesson. That's what's going on. And then verse number 48. And said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. We forbade him because he followed not with us. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to show you something else in this gospel that Mark didn't record. Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. What about that? Man, happy day, happy day, happy day. You can never get that down in your soul. Let, let's read that together one more time. This ain't even where I was going, but forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. Now hear me, I'm not saying everybody that proclaims the name of Jesus is for him or for you. Because we know that's not so. 
The Bible said if you'll try the spirits, whether they be of God, you know what they'll do? They'll not only just say the name, they'll live the name, and the name will live in them, Jesus. Verse 51, it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. Now pay attention. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans, Samaritans excuse me, to make ready for him. They did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, why is these two knuckleheads all the time together? They said, Lord, now pay attention, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? We're talking about the Samaritans. All right? Look at verse 55. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save. I can give one encouraging word for this. Brother Jim, you've heard him say it 5,694,000 times. They won't accept God. God just killed God didn't come to kill that's right. Amen. I'm telling you the truth. I'm saying if he's sitting here, he didn't come to kill him, he come to save him. Let me tell you what these men are. They're selfish. They're on the winning side. They've got it all right. They're God's choice of them. And they look out on the Samaritans and say, God, won't you let us do like Elijah did? By the way, Elijah didn't pray fire down from heaven to destroy nothing but a false little chief God. He never killed nobody. But he prayed fire down to prove that his God was alive and well. They said, Lord, let us call down fire like Elijah, like Elias, and consume these people. They ain't no good. They are enemies for the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with one another. And God said, y'all don't even know of what spirit you are. In other words, you're saved, but you're operating in the spirit of death, which is the spirit of Satan, which is not the spirit of God. And I didn't come to kill them. I come to save them. Thank God for John chapter 4. Experience in your life and in my life. We were outcasts. We were not the nation and the chosen tribe and the city and God's apple in the nation of Israel. We were Gentile dogs. We were curs beneath the king's feet. We were an afterthought. But Lord of God, you better be glad he didn't look at you. Pray far down from heaven. But he had compassion and he came to seek and to say that which was lost when you become selfless.
to get done. And we were over there one day, and an old boy, I've witnessed to him five million times. Didn't say his name, but he come in, and, every, and Brother Dax, it's the same story every time he comes in, just everything wrong. My wife's left me, my kids is this, my dog's run over, I can't. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm such and such, 40 years old, blah, 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 he's talking. And Dax said, I can't remember exactly, but something along these lines. I said, sir, if you'll just get in Joshua's church, and if you'll just submit to God and submit to the Word of God and live right, he said, God will bring you a wife, a godly wife, one that will love you and love your little girl. Started crying, man. The Spirit of God moved in there and started helping her. Do you remember that? I remember it, and I thought, you know, that's what this thing is all about. That's being a light. That's being a witness. With people every day, you encounter somebody, your neighbor or your, your family member calls you the problem. I mean, God's granted us an opportunity to care. Listen, if you don't care for the lost, you have something wrong. We don't have a burden for sinners who are going to hell. Something's wrong. I, I, I'm tired of this, but God, there's a wicked involved. Just kill them. No, don't kill them. Let's save them. Let's give them the family of God. Let's show them who Jesus. I think there's a point that God does kill people. That's in your Bible. Most of the time, it's not lost people God kills, it's saved. Right. I just preached on that Sunday. That one, right. of the, one of the forms of chastisement besides God is, is His death. Yes, and it's death to the child of God, not the lost man. I'm trying to tell you that God has extended His grace to the sinner so much that He hung His own son naked on a cross where they spit in His face. If God wanted to just kill them because they were wrong and they were sinners, He'd never let His darling son on Calvary. God don't dislike them or hate us. He hates sin. He loves the soul. Somehow or another, our churches have shunned the laws. Let me tell y'all something. I know they're walking around out here with beards and dresses on. And I know you've got to be careful. I know you've got to protect your congregation and your children. But hear me, if one of them wanted to come in here and serve the Sunday, they would. I'd let them. I'd watch them. If they tried anything, we would kill them. But we let them sit under the gospel. We let them so we can get God to transfer each Boys and girls and girls and boys. What about the ones that come in with ears big as a watermelon or holes big as a watermelon or ears and purple hair tattoos and jet black chokers? I'm going to tell you what they need. They don't need God to condemn them and rain fire down. They need to hear there is a fountain filled with blood. It's amazing to me how much grace it took for God to get us. Right. But how little grace we're willing to give to others. Amen. Oh, that's sad. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. How little grace we're willing to give from how much we've received. That's a mouthful. It's amazing. I want to be gracious. Because he's been gracious. There's people in this church right now that have been hurt. People in this church right now, you've been hurt here, you've been hurt in other churches, you've been hurt from the inside, you've been hurt from the outside, you're hurt, you're wounded. I'm going to tell you the only remedy for us collectively is grace. That's it. I'm not asking you to lift me up, put me on a pedestal. I don't need none of that. It'll kill our whole church if that ever happens. But I am asking for grace. I do want you to give grace to me. And I want you to expect grace to be given from me back to you. I want to be gracious. I want to be like Jesus. I've not always been that way. Not always dealt with things right. Not always handled things right. And I'm mad enough to look at you in your face and tell you that. I've done some people wrong in this place. And I'm man enough to look at you and tell you that. And I'm also man enough to know this. If I confess it, you're supposed to forgive me. If you don't, it's no longer on me. It's on their place. God wants us to have grace with one another. I'm just an old sinner. <laughs> I'm just an old beggar. I'm just an old beggar trying to tell another beggar how to get a piece of bread. I'm just an old body trying to tell everybody about somebody. I'm nothing and you're nothing. I'll tell you what we are. If we're saved, we're children of the Most High God. I'm afraid James was selfish. He had no concern or no burden for sinners. Outcasts. He just wanted to see them get done away with and disintegrated. I don't want to fool with them. May we never reach the place. Listen to me right here. May we never reach the place that we're so unholy that we lose interest in dealing with those who are unholy. May you never be so righteous you lose interest in the unrighteous. May you never be so right you lose interest in all those who are wrong. The whole, the whole ordeal of ministry is this, folks, and I'm done. Go ahead and get our song going. The whole idea of ministry is this. Bring honor and glory and serve Him, number one. Number two right under that is serving others. That's what ministry is. You know what I'm doing here? I'm not here to take a spotlight. I'm, I'm serving you tonight. Everybody looks at the pastor like, oh, he's the big man. No, 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 no. I'm the number one servant. I'm laying down my life. I'm laying down my flesh. I'm laying down my pride to do this. You think it makes me happy? I have to go around and make some of the ugliest faces you've ever seen and spit, slobber, sweat. I'm not doing it because it's something that's looked at as, man, that looks good. I'm a servant. I'm dying to me to tell you what the way. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be a servant to you in these days. I ask you, dear God in heaven, Lord, that you would bless the invitation, speak to our hearts, and do only what you can in Jesus' name. Amen. These are coming. If you need to come, you come on tonight.